Welcome to Made in Science, the official podcast of the University of Stuttgart. My name is Wolfgang Koltkamp. I'm Senior Advisor on International Affairs and your host for today. In this episode, we welcome Ann-Kathrin Briem, who is Project Manager at the Department of Life Cycle Engineering at the University of Stuttgart, as well as at the Fraunhofer Institute for Building Physics. Hello, Ann-Kathrin. Hello, Wolfgang. On your website, I see that you have listed three topics of research. One of them is looking at the opportunities and risks of sustainable development. May I ask about the opportunities and risks as you define or envision them? Um, yes. Um, so specifically, we're looking, I think you're referring to a project called um, Leistungszentrum Mass Personalization. Uh, so we're looking at the risks and opportunities of this trend. It's a trend where Uh, personalized products are accessible, personalized services as um, the growing digitalization and also individualization in society is increasing. And so this, this trend opens up new opportunities, but it also, of course, entails risks um, for sustainability. For example, if we produce a lot of things just because we can, uh, maybe this leads to overconsumption overuse of resources that are limited. Um, so we look into those things. And we also look into the potentials, because especially with the digitalization part of this trend, uh, we have also new opportunities to uh, improve and optimize things um, for more sustainable production, for example, or for more sustainable use patterns. We can match products with users better, um, those kinds of things. Is that what the term personalized production uh, really means? I've always wondered uh, how to understand this as a consumer, that's just me as one person. But I think this refers to a larger uh, unit, really. Um, yeah, I think personalized or personalization can mean a lot of different things. Um, it can mean, of course, the physical personalization of a physical product. And I think that's what most people envision when they think about personalization. For example, oh, I want my name stitched into this shoe, so I'm ordering it personalized. Um, and yes, of course, that's also personalization. But um, in the project, we have a very broad view. And especially from the sustainability standpoint, um, we think that looking, looking into people and what their values are, what their needs are, um, to fulfill the needs as best as we can in the most sustainable way that we can. And um, this is much more than just the production side of things. To consider all of this, I think it needs uh, a very broad approach sometimes. The Institute for Building Physics that you work at cooperates with many other research institutions, associations and project partners. Does that make that work for you easier or more difficult when you have so many um, partners to consider? I think the short answer is both. <laughs> so, um, of course, it makes things a little bit more difficult because you have to communicate with more partners. Um, in this project, we are 
uh, all four Stuttgart Fraunhofer Institutes um, located in Feing and eight university institutes. And then also um, on the university side, we have uh, this initiative called SPIMP. It's the Stuttgart um, Partnership Initiative Mass Personalization. So this is another um, initiative that we uh, cooperate within. Um, and so the whole communication and coordination part of the project is, of course, a little more complex than in smaller projects. But then on the other hand, we have a lot of people. We have so many competent people, expertise in very different topics. Um, the topics range from biomedical products to 3D printing to our sustainability methods to user modeling. So it's very very interesting um, also to meet all the people with the different backgrounds, work with them, um, and in this very interdisciplinary field. So I quite enjoy that. You have mentioned that communication is important. Uh, we just heard it in your answer. How has the communication of scientific results worked for you? And how do you go about it? Do you communicate scientific results to the science communities on the one hand and that of course on the other hand there's there are those partners in the industry and the results need also to be communicated to them and there's the general public who also would like to understand so once again um, has the communication of scientific results uh, been become more difficult I think on the contrary, I think it's become a little bit easier. I think in the last years, we've also seen when let's start with the general public side, maybe I think there's been a lot of uh, coverage in media, for example, about the climate crisis. And I think also in the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of um, scientific communication towards the public that made people understand the processes going on um, and the dynamics. Talking about the climate crisis, I think there's been a lot of emphasis in the media and a lot of attention in the media in the last years. And I think that's a really good trend. Um, and of course, this impacts my work as well in sustainability assessment. Um, but we generally within the projects, I mean, primarily communicate with the partners. Um, and then what comes out of projects is usually a report and I think most reports are not very well suitable for the, a public audience so what we've started doing is um, um, publishing interactive dashboards that can also be used by the public so um, people that are interested in our results can um, go on those websites and check out the results and um, we try and make them under as understandable as possible um, but as we know, uh, communicating scientific results in the correct way, but also an easy way, is, is quite challenging. Talking about companies and the topic of sustainability, do you see any different approaches? What's it like with companies that show a genuine interest in implementing changes when it comes to sustainability, what is their drive? How do they um, actually cooperate with you? And how do you cooperate with them? Um, this is a very interesting question because um, this is something that's also really fun, uh, working with companies that are really invested and where you can feel they really honestly want to improve their sustainability. Um, 
not just because they have to, because I think a lot of companies um, take measures because they have to and they do the bare minimum. But then we mostly work with companies that really want to do more. Um, they approach us. Um, sometimes we approach them. Um, and then I think most projects have a very specific question that the companies are working on or a problem that they need help solving. And then, um, yeah, it's really cool to see things being put into application. And um, sometimes there's this moment where you realize, okay, now they get it. Now they get our viewpoint and they um, can apply it to their problem or their product. And um, yeah, I think there's a, I feel, I mean, that's what I've been experiencing for the last few years that it's more and more companies that really want to do something. Um, last year we, we held a conference here in Stuttgart um, that was also, there were a lot of companies there and they also presented what they're doing within the companies. And um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm hopeful for a sustainable future, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Still a long way to go. Let's talk for a moment about your specific work and research. One topic that you are interested in is renewable energy, in particular renewable energy systems. Uh, please, can you tell us something, what your focus is on? Sure. Um, so my the main area within renewable energies that we are working on right now is photovoltaic module production. So um, solar modules that um, generate electricity from sunlight. And um, already during my master thesis, I was um, working on this. I was I did a life cycle assessment of a specific um, technology, and I was working also with a company in Baden-Württemberg, the land. Um, and that was that was also already then in my master thesis. It was really fun to work with a company and get real data from them, and then implement life cycle assessment and see how sustainable. Uh, this technology is and I can confirm that renewable energies are indeed very sustainable <laughs> compared to fossil fuels. I think this is a well-known fact, but um, we keep studying those technologies as well because you can still improve the sustainability um, with renewable energies, um, not only photovoltaic, but also wind energy, um, hydro. We have a, a shift in, in burdens. So with uh, fossil fuels, of course, we have the climate crisis to solve and their impact on climate change. And with renewable energies, we might have some issues in the resource categories. We need resources that are not that abundant, that are limited. So we really need to also focus on maybe on the recycling technologies for these resources so we can get um, those materials back into the loop. And that's also what we're focusing on in a current project that really focuses on sustainable manufacturing processes, um, circular processes. That's what our partners are looking into. They look into how to do waste management, how to do wastewater treatment. Um, so wastewater treatment and solid waste treatment and how to create circular structures within this industry because the photovoltaic industry is also very chemical um, has a high resource demand as mentioned and yeah so there's there's still room for improvement you're working on that improvement in particular your research is also about microbially produced biosurfactants when it comes to the use of renewable raw materials and alternative substrates like insect oil please Could you elaborate on this? 
is. So um, this is a very, very fun project for me that I, I love talking about because it's also very relatable, I think. Um, so surfactants are a type of chemical that is in many products. You need surfactants for um, washing detergent, for cosmetics, for um, anything where you need to solve um, oil in water, basically. That's the basic science or the basic chemistry, I guess. And uh, this project is really fun because um, it's a consortium between industry and academia. So we have the academic partners, the lab partners that are working in their laboratories on these processes to produce these uh, surfactants. And microbially produced means that uh, they use microorganisms um, that convert um, usually sugars or oils um, into products, and in this case, into biosurfactants. And um, it's really cool because you're using microbiology to uh, create a sustainable product. And the, the substrates that you mentioned, so that's the sugar and oil source, um, can be, of course, a, a grapeseed oil, um, so a plant oil, but it can also be waste oil. So we can reuse old cooking oil, for example, or, and this is also super interesting, insect oil that you also mentioned. Um, and that's... Um, that's also that was a really fun part because we worked with the company that um, is in insect breeding, and they have this. Um, um, they have. They they breed insects, but they also produce oil and protein from um, fly larvae, um, which I think for Europeans is quite a strange concept that we use insect larvae, but I think if you think about Asia, where they also consume insects on a daily basis, and I think this is something that we'll see in Europe more and more because it's an alternative protein source. So we can use the protein for um, human diets. I think this will take a while in Europe, but we, what's already, what it's already being used for is for um, feeding animals. And then Next to the protein, you also have this oil, and it's a really high value, as in like the chemical composition. It's a very useful oil because it has a similar chemical structure to um, tropical oils like coconut and palm oil. And I think palm oil is also on the radar for having some issues. Um, it's not black and white, so... Um, but yeah, so that was also really interesting because then you can use this insect oil for this technical application of producing biosurfactants that then go into products uh, that we use daily. Um, and so we have the, the academical partners working in the labs um, and then we help those lab partners to improve their processes um, to make them more sustainable. And um, then we have the industry partners that are really interested in the application of these surfactants. So we have big companies um, within the consortium. Um, I mean, you could look it up, but there's uh, BASF, um, there's Henkel, there's Dali, all these big German chemical companies um, that are really interested in those products and to implement the, these surfactants into their product portfolio. And um, so that's all that's, this project feels really productive because, um, yeah, everyone's taking this seriously. And also our lab partners are super collaborative. They really also want to improve um, from the sustainability point of view um, their, their processes. And, yeah, so that's really fun. And we're right now we're in the second project phase. So 
stay tuned. <laughs> An Katrin, in your education, you completed your master's in environmental engineering and also did a specialization in sustainability and life cycle assessment. How did you select these two areas? What was your motivation for doing for doing these? So I um, already did my bachelor degree in environmental engineering here in Stuttgart. And then I started my master's degree. And uh, what I really loved about this program is that there's so much freedom. We had so many um, choices in the specializations that we could take. I really liked the sustainability one. Already in my bachelor thesis, I was um, working on a topic related to this to sustainability assessment, basically. And I think that's the main reason why I chose this specialization. But then also there was this um, super interesting module on ecology um, where we went to Switzerland and did some field work. That was also really interesting. I think the I think in, in the whole sustainability field, the interdisciplinarity and the broadness of the field is, I think, what what I could connect with most because my interests are also very broad. I assume that the interdisciplinarity also played a very big role during your stay abroad as a student. Um, you went to Waterloo University in Canada and studied at the Institute for Earth Sciences. Can you explain the term for us, please? Earth Sciences, I think, is probably the hardest to pronounce uh, department of the University of Waterloo for German speakers. Um, but uh, yeah, the department has a um, decade-long partnership with um, a department at the University of Stuttgart. So they have this ongoing exchange. Um, and Earth Sciences is basically studying the earth uh, like the, the planet um, it's very geological um, there's also a hydrology aspect um, i took a class called physical hydrogeology so it combines a lot of um, natural sciences and water rock interaction in in the ground those those kinds of um, topics and um, I was enrolled in that department, um, so that was a natural science department, but then I also took classes from engineering departments. Um, I also took language courses, so I did indeed have a very broad and interdisciplinary curriculum in at the University of Waterloo. And then you specialized. Uh, you also um, did your bachelor thesis abroad, and that was uh, actually about fuel cell taxis in London. Um, what is your experience from that research? Um, so I actually didn't do it abroad, my thesis, but the uh, within an uh, EU project, um, our Horizon 2020 project, um, that looked into yeah fuel cell vehicles. Um, and my topic was um, looking at the sustainability and doing life cycle assessment of a London taxi uh, with a fuel cell. Um, so I did the assessment of the fuel cell and then also of the vehicle. And um, yeah, that was that was super interesting. And I think that's also what got me into the life cycle assessment field and what made me eventually stay in the department where I work at now. Um, 
So I started with my bachelor thesis in the department and then became a, a research assistant as a student. And um, I, I left a few times to go abroad, um, but then I always came back and now I've been working there for four years. All of these experiences you can also use in a club called English in Motion, of which you are a member. What was your motivation for joining this club? And perhaps you can tell us uh, a little bit about the objectives of this particular club, English in Motion. English in Motion is a club based in Ulm and they offer English holiday camps for youth. And when I was just back from my year abroad in Canada, I was asked by a friend of a friend um, to join and I was super motivated to keep speaking English. Um, and so I joined and um, I was part of this holiday camp and then kept doing it uh, for, for a lot of years um, every summer. And so we, we create this immersive environment for teenagers um, where they have to speak English from for like every day 24-7. For, for some teenagers it's quite challenging because they their parents made them go to the camp to improve their English grades. Maybe they had like a four in English and they uh, th their parents weren't happy with the grades so they made them go and you can always see those teenagers being super pouty the first few days and then slowly realizing that it can actually be fun and that English is not only about learning grammar and um, vocabulary, but also uh, about just yeah speaking and daily stuff like, oh, could you hand me the butter, please? Yes, sure. Here you go. Um, and then you have those super motivated teenagers that love speaking English and are already reading books in English. And then uh, they join camp with this enthusiasm for the language. And um, it's just really yeah fun to see and um I, I like I really like teaching youth because um, they have this like fresh view on things like um, most kids are really smart and and curious uh, about the world and they like sometimes they really surprise you um, with with their opinions um, and um, yeah I think as adults we can also learn from from kids. Now at the university, you offer a course for master students. Uh, what are students at the university like compared to pupils from, say, English in Motion? <laughs> um, well, I guess they're different because they get a grade for the course. <laughs> um, yeah, but I yeah. So we have this this master course on uh, sustainability and life cycle assessment, and um, I supervise a um, project based tutorial, I guess project based a project basically, um, where we have divide them into groups, and then the groups work on a topic that they choose, and they basically do a mini life cycle assessment. And I think what our university students learn the most is putting maybe knowledge from different areas that they have maybe from other courses or from general knowledge and they put it together and and realize the complex world of sustainability i guess but then also the scientific method to really quantify this and that it's not as easy as it at first sounds maybe because life cycle assessment is basically linear algebra but but then to calculate this you need to know so many different things and you have to like and then also what they what they learn is that you can't know everything so it's okay to look something up you don't have to 
know everything um, from the start. Coming back to the difference between pupils and students, I think students are maybe a bit more serious than pupils, but um, also eager to learn, I mean. Working with the university students, what kind of projects have they come up with and which one has been your favorite? The students come up with a lot of different topics. Um, for example, one group looked at a soccer match, um, another group looked at a, a building renovation project. Um, but I think what I, I mean, I can't tell favorites, but a project that I think was really, really nice also in the university context was that one group worked with Stuvus um, on um, assessing um, the first semester party. Um, so they from Stuvus, Stuvus provided like lists. Oh, how much beer has like how much how many beverages were drunk? Um, how what equipment did we use? The electrical equipment, and then the the group. It was actually two groups. Um, they looked into the technical side of the event and into like the catering side of the event, and um, and found maybe the hot spots where Stuvus can improve. Um, events like this to be more sustainable because um, Stuvus and of course the university are striving to make our campus greener and so this project really could have an impact on our university and um, where maybe measures could be taken to make our campus green. When you mention impact, um, you yourself may have an impact on the scientific community when writing a doctoral thesis. Um, is there already a specific area that you are thinking about? So, I mean, I, of course, I hope to have an impact on, um, on sustainability. I mean, a small impact, at least. Um, I guess no one can save the world alone. Um, yeah, so my um, PhD re research um, is in the area of mass personalization. So maybe just like circles back to the very beginning of our um, talk. And... Um, I'm looking into how I can like combine a personalized approach in the life cycle assessment methodology. I'm, I'm not going to go into details now, but my main motivation is um, that I can, I want to use this personalized approach um, to then in the end have um, results that are, that are relevant to a specific person. So I, I would maybe calculate something for you, Wolfgang, and then present these results for you in a way that you can understand them and then make an informed decision to hopefully a more environmentally friendly solution, but that also fulfills your needs. Um, so I'm taking into account your needs, your values, and then calculate results that are actually true for your situation, um, maybe for your mobility, behavior or um, for your consumption of food. I don't know. It could be anything. And then you have a result and then I present it to you and you understand it and then you can make a decision. And then I think hopefully this can contribute to people, like to maybe behavior change, but not in a forced way, but in a way that's really um, sustainable. <laughs> So to all your doctoral advisors out there, uh, we have just, you know, found the topic. Um, so Anne-Kathrin will uh, analyze what I can do better uh, from 
now on and in the future. I'm looking forward to that, actually. So advice on that uh, level is always very welcome. If you look in your personal future, do you think you would like to work at the university or, or rather at a company? For now, um, I'll stay where I am, <laughs> to uh, especially to finish my PhD. Um, and also, you mentioned our uh, collaboration with the Fraunhofer Institute. And I think uh, I'm now moving towards more like Fraunhofer projects and um, like the more application-based um, science. But then I think in the long run, I see myself um, going into like an industry company, maybe do some industry research that could also be really interesting in like a development department um, and create something. Because as an engineer, I like to see things put into application and maybe something I can touch, like a physical product. Uh, we'll see, I guess. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. Please do so. For you personally, what makes a sustainable society. If you say you like uh, to contribute, if you say you would like to come up with a product, um, but for society as a whole. After all, the vision of our university, uh, and you mentioned it a couple of times, is uh, to create intelligent solutions for a sustainable society. Now, what does that mean for you? I think I, I mean, I hope for more environmental awareness maybe in society and also with the intelligent solutions, I think there's a lot, a lot of potential and possibilities that could be implemented, but then we need people to be open-minded about those solutions. I mean, starting with myself, I'm also sometimes a little bit skeptical about things. And I think in Germany, we have this like data privacy mindset that is sometimes maybe a bit it slows down the progress but at the same time it's also really important to have data privacy so i think we need to find a balance between those things when talking about society um, of course we also have the social aspect of sustainability um, we've talked a lot about the environmental side but then sustainability also includes social issues so i think that's also something we need to work on as a society And Katrin, as you may know, the final part of our conversation is called Moment 7. We have collected seven questions that we would like to ask you. Please answer as shortly as possible. Moment one. Spätzle or Maultaschen? Vegetarian Maultaschen. Moment two. One thing you could change about the world. I think I would like to create total equality. Moment three. Do you have a book recommendation for us? Storms of My Grandchildren by James Hansen. Moment four. Which is the best advice that you have ever received? I'm not sure who said it, but probably for me personally, the best advice was stop, stop caring about what other people might think of you. Moment five. What is your favorite place on campus? The, um, in front of Pfaffenwaldring 9, 
the there's these like stone benches like it's art installation I guess and uh, after exams we used to sit there and have a beer and like the sunset it's it's just a really nice place to hang out moment six if you could start all over again you would do the following differently I would like to like maybe I would have done Erasmus in a Spanish-speaking country like on top of the Canada um, exchange um, not instead of but I guess I can still do that I can still live abroad so yeah moment seven please complete the following sentence thanks to my studies i know that things are more complicated than they might seem but uh, there's uh, there are a lot of different solutions um, for problems that people are working on solutions thank you and katrin for this very engaging talk for having made us aware of looking at sustainability from various points of view, which you do in your work. We are very much looking forward to staying in touch and wish you all the very best for your work and also personally for the future. Thank you and thanks for having me. Thanks also to our podcast team and to our audience. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed meeting us, you are very welcome to subscribe to our podcast. Most of all, please stay tuned for our conversations that are always based on what is made in science.